from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Thanks for tuning in. Always grateful for you making Washington Watch part of your day. Well, coming up on this Thursday edition, another shocking and revealing hearing on Capitol Hill today. This time, the House Judiciary Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. What we have always understood in all likelihood was true, we, yet we now have yet one more piece of evidence yep. from, the, from the folks at the FBI that they, that, 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 that they interfered, Comey interfered in 2016, was it Director Ray himself who interfered in 2020? We still need to know. That was North Carolina Congressman Dan Bishop earlier today. We're going to get more on today's hearing examining big government and big tech's attack on the First Amendment when we're joined by Texas Congressman Chip Roy in just a moment. On the Senate side earlier today, the Democrat-controlled Judiciary Committee advanced a new set of ethics rules for the Supreme Court justices, which they claim will help the court. Republicans say it's nothing more than an effort by the left to destroy the court. What you're trying to do is not improve the court. You're trying to destroy it as it exists. I was ranking member Senator Lindsey Graham. He's going to join us a little bit later. And speaking of the Senate, the National Defense Authorization Act is moving. Both sides keep working together. I hope we can finish passing the defense authorization bill before August. And I think most of us would like to see that happen. There's no justification for letting it spill into the fall. That was Democrat leader Chuck Schumer this morning. The bill is moving, but is it moving in the right direction? We'll get an update from FRC's Travis Weber a little later in the program. And speaking of the NDAA, something I did not have time to cover last week because we were looking at so many different aspects of the NDAA was a bipartisan effort to actually include funding in the NDAA for psychedelic drug research for veterans for members of the military. This was being pushed by Republican Dan Crenshaw and Democrat Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now, folks, this push, and it's not just in this bill, but we're seeing this with marijuana and all other types of drugs. It's spilling over into other drugs. This push by both political parties to legalize drugs that have been on the controlled substance list is very telling of where our nation is morally and spiritually. FRC's Dr. Jennifer Bowens joins me to discuss the physical and the spiritual risk of this effort. And yesterday we covered this, but the House Oversight and Accountability uh, Committee held a hearing and questions were asked about President Biden's previous denials of his son getting money from China. In 2020, President Biden, candidate Biden at the time, said during a debate, and I'm going to quote, my son has not made any money in terms of this thing about, what are you talking about, China? I have not had, the only guy who made money uh, from China is this guy, Donald Trump. He's the only one. Nobody else has made any money from China. Mr. Ziegler, was the president telling the truth when he said that his son, Hunter Biden, had not made any money from China? So I don't know what the president at the time was thinking, but what I can tell you based on what I testified in my transcript, that he did earn money from China. That was Congressman Russell Fry of South Carolina questioning IRS whistleblower Special Agent Joseph Ziegler. Now, could this money, which the bank records show, flowed to the Bidens from the communist, from uh, affiliates of the Communist Party in China, have could they have compromised the president of the United States? Could his decisions, the president's decisions, such as allowing a spy balloon to fly across the entire U.S. before taking action, suggest he is acting under the influence of foreign money? That's a serious question. We're going to talk with Seamus Bruner, director of research at the Government Accountability Institute. Our word for today comes from Luke chapter 12. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has the power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. You see, fear paralyzes, faith empowers. When we fear man and what people say or do to us, we live in bondage to the ever-changing demands of this temporal world. No wonder anxiety is at record levels. 
Or we can choose, as Jesus says, to put our faith in God, submit to him in reverence, trusting and yielding to the one who controls all of eternity. If we choose faith over fear, it will be evident, as Jesus says in verse 8, and I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. You see, when we have faith, we'll confess that faith in God. Fear causes us to go silent. To join us in our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. I want to encourage you, make plans now to join us September the 15th through the 17th at our Pray Vote Stand Summit here in Washington, D.C. You'll hear from a number of national leaders, including several of the Republican presidential hopefuls will be joining us, and we'll have leaders from the faith community, from Christian leaders. We'll have uh, conservative leaders. We'll have a number of panels. We'll have breakout sessions. It's going to be a, the place to be. So make plans now. Go to prayvotestand.org to register and be a part of this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit. Again, that uh, website, prayvotestand.org. The House Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government held a hearing today on the federal government's role in censoring Americans. It kicked off with calls from Democrats on the committee for more, well, can you believe it? More censorship. Florida Democrat Debbie Wasserman Schultz argued against hearing testimony from Democrat presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Now, folks, I'm telling you, you could not script this any better to showcase what the left is doing. They want to silence conservative voices. Joining me now to discuss this and more, Congressman Chip Roy. He serves on the House Judiciary Committee. He represents the 21st Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Roy, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to be on. How are you? Good, good. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us. You participated in today's hearing from the Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. Uh, what new information did we learn? Well, I mean, importantly, what we had is we had the Democratic Party uh, in the Weaponization Committee, you know, made up from primarily people on the Judiciary Committee or some uh, that are not on the Judiciary Committee, basically try to shut down debate and frankly, exclude uh, Robert Kennedy um, in a hearing that was focused on uh, the silencing of speech. I mean, you can't even really make it up, right? I mean, this is, this is where we are, right? We've got uh, Democrats who don't want to have any actual outright conversation about the things that we're facing as a society, including in this case, Mr. Kennedy's perspectives on COVID vaccinations, um, as well as other issues. He laid out fairly clearly and distinctly that you've got them clamping down on speech. He tried to – he put out a tweet about Hank Aaron and some questions about Hank Aaron's death. And ultimately, they uh, – the White House elevated it to Twitter, and like within four minutes, Twitter was on it trying to shut him down because he dared to put something out. Again, the the response of the Democrats not even wanting to have a conversation or look at the facts here, but it goes beyond these uh, you know hot button topics like the the COVID vaccine and, and which is uh, what Mr. Kennedy was has been speaking out about. But we also heard details of election interference by the FBI working to suppress the New York Post Hunter Biden laptop story, even though the feds knew that the laptop belonged to him and was not Russian disinformation. How do they get by with this? Well, this is just classic um, uh, Democrat, you know, uh, way of doing things. And, uh, you know, what we what we saw today, um, we had witnesses in the Weaponization Committee. We've got Jamie Comer right now today going through the whole uh, process with the, uh, you know, what they're doing with the IRS whistleblowers. Uh, we had evidence. We know exactly what they had. They had a laptop. They knew they had the laptop. They tried to suppress uh, with social media that anybody even talk about the laptop. We had a New York Post person sitting in the uh, committee today walking through the evidence and the information that they had. And Democrats don't care. They just don't care. It is one thing for them not to like President Trump's policies. It's one thing for them to think 
that he got certain things wrong. It should have acted differently or whatever. But they're literally trying to suppress information. They're trying to suppress stuff that was critically important for voters to hear, and polling shows would have changed potentially the outcome of the election. Right. And, you know, I've had differences of opinions with some of my Trump supporter friends about January 6th and how we handled the electors because we had the information before us. But this has been evident from day one that we knew exactly what was going on. In 2019, they knew it. They knew what was going on with the laptop, and they suppressed it. So, uh, Congressman Roy, let me ask you this. How is the legacy media dealing with this? How are they covering the revelation of this information that's now coming forward and the evidence is very clear? Well, they're not. They're trying to tamp it down. They're trying to suppress it. They're trying to hide it. We have a hearing about that. And my Democratic colleagues try to suppress all of that and do not and to deny it. And the reason I started by focusing on uh, what we're dealing with Robert F. Kennedy is here's a, a, a the son of the former attorney general, the nephew of the former president, a lion of the Democrats, the, the Kennedy family, who is no cons- you know right wing conservative. Uh, this is a guy who still is running as a Democrat, still embraces core Democrat Party uh, principles, but is saying these guys are trying to silence me. They're trying to shut down the First Amendment. He simply wants to ask questions about COVID, ask questions about vaccine efficacy. He wants to know, are there any implications, as one NIH study said, about race? And then they don't just deplatform him. They accuse him of the most vile things being anti-Semite. Now, I can disagree with Robert F. Kennedy, as I did last week on his he, – he liked affirmative action. He thought the Supreme Court got it wrong. I disagree. Uh, I agree with him that there are questions about COVID vaccine efficacy. We should have that debate in the public, and we shouldn't be shutting people down. Right. Well, I mean, one thing I think we can agree, even with uh, classic liberals, is that um, we believe in free speech. We should be able to have these debates and come to a, a consensus on the policies going forward. Now, also brought up today was a federal judge issued a temporary injunction ordering the Biden administration to cease such social media censorship. Uh, very quickly, are the courts now the best means to per, to uh, to end such censorship for now, as long as the Democrats are uh, controlling the administration? Well, certainly we're seeing at least some um, indication that the courts are trying to step in and 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 uh, deal with the absurdity of what we're seeing out of the administration. Um, you know, we saw the court in Louisiana. Um, who, uh, you know, came out and talked about, for example, the abuse by the federal government of FISA records. Uh, We had the opinion that you just referenced that uh, just came out. Um, And and, and look, I don't like, as you know, and you and I have talked about this probably on air, I don't like putting my eggs in the court basket. Right. But um, we've done a lot of work to try to get some good judges on the bench, and we got to protect the Constitution every which way we can. So we got to bring all of these in front of the court and hope that we'll keep getting some good opinions about the First Amendment and making sure we've got access to information, clamping down on, you know, government clamping down on speech, et cetera. All right, Chip Roy, we've got to leave it there. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Always great to hear from you. Thanks, Tony. God bless. All right, Congressman Chip Roy of Texas. Well, speaking of the court, the left doesn't like the fact that we have conservative justices. And so uh, today in the Senate... The Judiciary Committee advancing new ethics rules to clamp down on justices. Senator Lindsey Graham, the ranking member, joins us next. Don't go away. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their 
their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be disciples their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington. Watch the website, TonyPerkins.com. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday. Well, ever since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last summer, the left has thrown a temper tantrum now that they can no longer bank on activist judges to do their bidding. The left for years relied upon the courts to enact their policies. Well, these attacks on the Supreme Court continue, and um, in fact, Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee responded to trumped-up media reports against conservative Supreme Court justices by pushing so-called ethics reform, uh, ethics reforms. Now, this is for the courts, and so today, by a party-line vote, they passed out these new guidelines, which they say uh, are designed to improve and strengthen the court. But Republicans don't agree. Joining me now to discuss this is South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, Uh, He serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Judiciary Committee, where he is the ranking member. He joins us by phone. Senator Graham, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. They're they're at it again. (laughs) Well, let's talk about this. What's what's the motivation here? I mean, why all of a sudden do they have an interest in ethics for (laughs) the court? Trying to marginalize a conservative court, they they hate and demonize. Uh, remember when Senator Schumer went to the steps of the Supreme Court? Yes. Called out Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, Justice Gorsuch, Kavanaugh by name. The whirlwind will come after you if you overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, they made a concerted effort to destroy Clarence Thomas's life from the time he had a hearing up until now. Uh, the Supreme Court has been constitutionally sound. They overruled overruled Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs decision. They they said race-based affirmative action violates the Constitution. It's driving the liberals crazy. This is not an effort to impose ethics on the court. This is an effort to marginalize the conservative members of the court. This is patently unconstitutional. The Supreme Court was created by the Constitution itself. All lower courts were created by statute. The Constitution created the Supreme Court as a separate branch of government. This bill uh, would create a complaint system to the public at large. Any complaint filed against a Supreme Court justice would be adjudicated by lower court judges, a random panel of five, and you'd be answering to the people that you oversee. Can you imagine the complaints that would come from the hard left? 
They're trying to create recusal, which means you can't hear the case standards that would allow most conservative judges to be knocked out. If uh, Focus on the Family or anybody else wanted to file an amicus brief, a friend of the court brief, uh, this bill would require all your donors be disclosed if uh, over $100,000, which would chill out free speech. So this is an effort to marginalize the court, to restrict participation by conservatives, open up the court to just endless complaints, and I think it's patently unconstitutional, and it will go nowhere on the floor of the Senate. A couple of questions here. One, early on after the, uh, the, the conservative majority emerged on the court, we saw this push for court packing, which didn't go right. anywhere. The public was against it. It couldn't move. So now we see this approach of, uh, of ethics. Uh, but right. if this were challenged, which you say it's blatantly unconstitutional, would yeah. it not have to go to the Supreme Court? It's funny you say that. Yeah, I mean, under our Constitution. You know, what makes us different than a lot of countries, you know, the Soviet Union had in their Constitution a Bill of Rights that would be, you know, that we would all love, you know, to see. Words don't matter if you don't have a place to enforce the law. Right. An independent judiciary keeps us all free and safe. It's a check on legislative power. It's a check on the president of the United States. I don't always agree with the court, but at least I've got a chance to challenge those in charge of my government in a court of law. An independent judiciary is the heart and soul of a functioning democracy. This conservative court, it took us 50 years. There are people listening uh, to your show today that have been working in the vineyards to get Republican majorities, Republican presidents to put a conservative court together. It took us 50 years, but here we are. And Democrats are literally trying to destroy the court we created lawfully by packing the court. Now they're trying to create ethics reforms that would marginalize the court. So remember what happened to Kavanaugh? Right. There is no boundaries. There are no right. guardrails. There's no limits to what liberals will do to destroy conservative justice. I've been on the front lines of this fight for 20 years. It's back again, and we're going to kill this bill on the floor of the Senate. There's not 60 votes for this bill. And it just saddens me that this never-ending effort to destroy the Supreme Court seems to have no limits. Well, never-ending is the key word here because they'll come back with something else. As the outside groups, these uh, George Soros types groups that have been funded to track the court, writing these hit pieces yeah. on Justice Thomas and Alito, in part, is this not just to, 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 to make any conservative who reveres the Constitution and yeah. would uphold the Constitution want to stay miles away from the Supreme Court and never want to be nominated? You know, I think, Tony, I hope people listen to what you just said. Why was Kavanaugh so important? He was a highly qualified man. You know, I think he's, you know, he's led a very good life. Uh, he's incredibly qualified. Uh, I understand why he was chosen. Uh, I don't always agree with him, but he certainly was a sound choice. Look what happened to him. Remember the hearings? Yes, I do. They were talking about a party in high school that nobody could remember. Uh, they couldn't tell us where, when it happened and where it happened, but they were willing to believe just the most tenuous accusations. They had three people make up stories about Kavanaugh. None of them were prosecuted. The reason it was so important to get Brett on the court is if he had failed – who would come next? And yeah. that's what they're trying to do. Look what they tried to do to Clarence Thomas all of his, you know, professional life. You know, the rules are different. I mean, if you're a conservative woman, if you're a conservative minority, all hell breaks loose in your life. We've got to defend these people. Yes, they're trying to chill the ascension of young conservatives, make it so that nobody would want to have these jobs. We can't let them get away with that. You're absolutely right. Uh, th this is essential to the rule of law, having those who understand the law, willing to uphold the law and rule accordingly. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, always great to, uh, to hear from you. Thanks so much for taking time today. And uh, we'll be watching this closely and we'll look forward to following back up with you. Thanks, Tony. Thanks. All right. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, ranking member on the Senate Judiciary Committee, says the measure dead on arrival. He's got a pretty good uh, sense of what happens in the Senate. I, I think this is going to be hard to push, but it is about chilling. It's 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 all 
the left is trying to do. Fear goes back to what we were talking about from our scripture reading today from Luke. We, just, we cannot be fearful of man. All right, coming up next, psychedelic drugs being pushed in the NDAA. We talk about that next. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Thursday. All right, there was a lot going on last week with the National Defense Authorization Act, and uh, we were covering every aspect of that. And for the most part, everything that went into that bill was good. And it's a, it's a solid bill as it pertains to moving our nation away from a military, away from the woke weakness that the policies of the present administration uh, have created to, uh, to strategic strength. But uh, there was a bipartisan effort last week. Uh, in fact, there was a press conference on this. Dan Crenshaw and AOC held a press conference uh, regarding psychedelic drug research, requesting funding for these studies be included in the National Defense Authorization Act. In fact, it did get in. Now, this further demonstrates that the movement to rebrand psychedelics as a successful drug for helping with treatment-resistant conditions is well underway. I mean, this is not the first conversation we've had about this. Uh, it is on the program, but not with members of Congress. There's a big push for this, and it's bipartisan. Why should we be concerned, and how should we respond? Joining me now to discuss this, Dr. Jennifer Ballins, Director for the Center for Family Studies here at the Family Research Council. Dr. Ballins, welcome back to Washington Watch. It's good to be with you again. Uh, I will say I never thought I would be at a point where we're talking about psychedelic drugs being used by our federal government to treat conditions. You can't believe how many things we're saying. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that we can't believe we're doing this. Now, you wrote a piece on this in the, in the Washington Stand. It actually came up. It was uh, posted yesterday. Folks, you can see it. Go to TonyPerkins.com, follow links over. But why are we seeing a mainstream push for these drugs that have long been uh, illegal, and they've been on the controlled substances list. Yeah, since the Nixon administration. Um, what I think people need to know about this push for psychedelic drugs is that the end game is decriminalization. It is to use these drugs for recreational purposes. And, and this isn't just like a, a brand new conversation that's being had. Maybe in our circles it is. Right, right. But when you look at this push, you have um, actors like Rick Doblin who have been wanting to make psychedelics look respectable. And how do you do that? Through research. So he has been pushing since the Nixon administration 
um, to put these drugs in a respectable light to shed the old hippie image mm-hmm. of psychedelic drugs and to make them respectable through the psychological community. And right now there are already therapists who are trained in what's called uh, psychedelic assisted therapy. They're already trained. They're just waiting for the FDA approval. But we know that there are serious side effects to these, physical side effects. But look, we cannot have the conversation about this without talking about the spiritual implications here. That's right. Um, recently, I interviewed a woman named Margaret, and she was put into, she was put into a blind study. Um, so she didn't know what she was receiving. She was given LSD as part of the the drug trial that was supposed to treat this cancer that was a new cancer back in the 60s. And um, I encourage you to read this, the story on our website. But her, her story is one of hope because she found God in the midst of it. But through the process of getting on these drugs and being in this trial, it opened her up to s- the spiritual realities. Yeah. And I when, mean, I read the article. I mean, demonic activity. She saw demons. She did. And she didn't see them before. The the scripture speaks to opening ourselves up to these types of influences. And we're now, I think personally, well, I just think from a spiritual standpoint, as I see what's happening, this bipartisan push for the legalization of drugs, we're talking about psychedelics, but we could talk about marijuana, we could talk about anything else, is that this is reflective of where we are spiritually as a nation, and, and we're going into a very dark vortex. Yeah, and if you look at some of the scriptures in the Bible that refer to witchcraft, that root word is actually right. called pharmakia, which is where we get the word for pharmaceuticals. And this was an ancient pagan practice where they would use drugs like psychedelics to get themselves into quote-unquote, like a spiritual experience so that they basically access the dark side to um, involve in their witchcrafts, rituals, and so forth. So this is where we're at. So let's talk about how this this is being laundered Mm. through research. Right. And I think we're at a place in our country where we really need to look at the merits of science, and we need to Especially have, science that can't right now can't even tell the discern, discern the genders. That's right. You can't tell the difference between a male and a, a female. Then, you know, I, I, uh, I'm questioning your research methods here. Um, but I think across the board, we're seeing this with so many issues. There, there's a lot that's getting uncovered in our government, but I would say there's a lot that's getting uncovered in our academic systems as well. And we really need to take a hard look at the research that we're digesting. And if we are if we just hear about psychedelics and say, oh, you know what, I have somebody in my family who has PTSD, I want to see if they can go through this trial and get some help. You know, you need to have a critical eye with this. We need to be asking the Holy Spirit. It's his temple. Is this something we want to expose ourselves to? So there, there are physical risk with this. Yes. Yeah, we we ha- we do have historic, um, not only narrative but research that shows some people go into um, sort of like a schizophrenic episode, mm-hmm. psychotic episodes. Um, there are there are side effects, and if we see those ignored, then we it's very we risky. Doctor Bowens, I want to thank you for joining us. Always great to see you. Thank you. And folks, I would encourage you go to TonyPerkins.com. You can follow the links over, and uh, you can actually read her article. Uh, about uh, this interview that she had. Uh, This is, uh, again, we need to be mindful of what is going on around us. And again, we cannot see this as Christians without looking at the spiritual implications and the spiritual drivers. Darkness is driving a lot of the policy here in Washington. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at the National Defense Authorization Act and get an update. That's next. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, 
Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories, and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. I'm Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch. All right, make plans now to join me. In fact, I'm inviting you to join me for the Pray Vote Stand Summit here in Washington, D.C., September the 15th through the 17th. We'll have uh, quite a few of our nation's uh, conservative leaders, both from the political realm and from the uh, church, religious, spiritual realm, however you want to describe it. So go to prayvotestand.org and you can sign up now. But don't wait. You might miss out. As the Senate debates the National Defense Authorization Act in the, uh, over the next uh, week, they are, they're in the midst of it now, Senator Tommy Tuberville continues to stand for life with his ongoing hold against military flag officer promotions in response to the Pentagon's illegal abortion tourism funding policy. Now, the left is ratcheting up pressure against Senator Tuberville, with President Biden and the Pentagon personally targeting the coach with attacks. Well, joining me now to discuss the latest on the NDAA is Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council. All right, Travis, welcome back. Thank you. So it's been a busy week, a lot going on here in, uh, in Washington. So yeah. yesterday we heard from Senator Mike Lee on the NDAA process at a first batch of amendments, more amendments. So w- what's the latest? Yeah, latest. So they're continuing to consider amendments there was, uh, throughout today. Um, the NDA being the focus as they vote through these individual amendments. Uh, there's been, um, you know, several batch, uh, a batch of amendments that that kind of got approved to get votes uh, to have votes taken on. That's what we're going through now. We're keeping an eye out for amendments of concern, of interest to uh, Family Research Council, but they're going to continue um, voting on uh, these amendments, considering the NDA when they come back next week, and we'll continue to keep an eye on it. And one thing's clear, Tony, we need. Um, People to know the House NDAA is a strong NDAA that's going to restore our military to where it needs to be, and that NDAA needs to be defended right. in the Senate. We can't uh, make deals where there's a vote on an amendment, and we say we voted on it, and the policy didn't make it in. For instance, for instance, the DOD policy that Tuberville's standing up for, we can't hide behind just having a vote that goes down in flames. We have to see the policy fixed. And uh, Senator Tuberville made that clear. Uh, it was in an article today. In fact, when he uh, wrapped up with us on the program day before yesterday, he had a call with uh, Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense, 
And so a memo had been sent over by Lloyd Austin to the Senate Armed Services Committee, uh, basically uh, not changing the policy at all, defending the policy. And as a result, there's been um, some talk of a vote on an amendment that would address this issue. But here's the problem. And as you just lined out, it's not it's not the answer is that the threshold for the vote would be set by the Democrats and it would be at 60. Well, you're not going to get 60 votes. And then they'll go to conference, say, oh, we don't have the support. And they'll make the they'll try to make the Republicans take it out of the House version when it goes to conference. And this is what Senator Tuberville said. He he rejected using that as a means of ending this standoff. He said, I'm not looking to lose on amendment. He wants this issue resolved. So um, they just need to they just need to, to let the Democrats do what they're going to do and and then fight it out in the conference. Yeah, the solution, uh, the solution is not the vote. The solution is the solution. What he's right, saying is exactly fixing, right. fixing the policy, um, you know, because the Democrats are going to want to try to posture this vote as sort of some remedy. It's, it's a vote. It's going to go down flames and fail. And then not, we're going to be back. Where we're at. So Senator Tuberville's right. And he's got the right focus. I mean, the DOD has been sending uh, officials to brief senators. Uh, you know, so it, it appears what they're trying to do is sort of paper over the concern about this or somehow convince senators that Tuberville is on the wrong track. And te- Senator Tuberville was commenting on that briefing. <laughs> like you said, he did not find it particularly helpful or enlightening. And he's probably right because they have had a chance to change this uh, by administration. They've not changed it. And he's holding the line. So, you know, th- unless they deal with his fair opposition to this, they've moved the goalposts. They've injected the social issue into the DOD, which they claim Republicans have done. And uh, they're the they're the ones who've done that, and they can choose to backtrack from that. But they need to stop claiming right. Republicans are trying to do this. It can be fixed overnight, as we've said before, just by going back to the policy that was in place. So, folks, uh, still need you to weigh in with the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. Text the word "woke," W O K E, to six seven seven four two. Woke to six seven seven four two. We're going to get those petitions over to him. And this also is a way of communicating to Senator Tuberville that we support him. Yeah, absolutely. And he, we, we just want to reiterate again, we support his stance for life, Tony. And, and we've got a way for folks to communicate to the senators to defend this right. NDAA. That's at frcaction.org slash NDAA. Go there, make your voices heard. Many thousands have already made their voices heard, so we encourage more to do so. Yeah, if you didn't get that, just go to TonyPerkins.com and you can follow the links over. Travis, thanks for the update. Thank you. All right. Well, yesterday's hearing from the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, including testimony from two IRS whistleblowers regarding staggering amounts of cash paid to, and in many cases hidden by, the Biden administration, money from foreign actors, including Chinese nationals. Very revealing. So what were they buying with those millions of dollars? And considering the Biden administration's soft approach on the Chinese Communist Party, are they getting their money's worth? In short, do we have a president that's been compromised by foreign dollars? Join me now to discuss this is Seamus Bruner. He is the Associate Director of Research at the Government Accountability Institute and author of the books Compromised, How Money and Politics Drive FBI Corruption and Fallout, Nuclear Bribes, Russian Spies, and the Washington lies that enriched the Clintons and the Biden dynasties. Uh, Seamus, welcome so much. Uh, welcome to Washington Watch. So good to see you. It's great to see you, Tony. So uh, I want to get right into this because throughout yesterday's Oversight and Accountability Committee hearing, we heard IRS whistleblowers confirm the staggering amounts of cash received by Hunter Biden and the Biden family, including payments from Chinese nationals. Your reaction to the hearing? Yeah, well, we learned kind of what we've known all along in some senses, that this was never about Hunter Biden. It's not a Hunter Biden scandal. This is a Joe Biden scandal. And, you know, the, the money coming in, if, if as the whistleblowers allege and as informants have alleged, is it a bribery scheme entangling Joe Biden? That's absolutely grounds for impeachment. The Constitution mentions bribery specifically by name, as a high crime and misdemeanor worthy of impeachment. Now, the question is, 
uh, what did Joe do for this money? But the money that has been laid out, as you mentioned, is staggering. I mean, you've got five million to Hunter. Uh, the the informant for from Ukraine it says five million went to Joe. There's ten million. We at the Government Accountability Institute have been able to find thirty one million, some thirty one million. It's actually a little higher than that now, uh, directly from sources tied to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. These are Chinese nationals, as you mentioned, but they're not just Chinese nationals. They're in business with, let's say, the Vice Minister of State Security. That's like China's KGB or CIA. Uh, what what are these people tied to Chinese intelligence paying tens of millions of dollars to not just Hunter, but also Jim Biden, that would be Joe's brother, uh, his wife, Sarah Biden, Joe's sister-in-law. You've got uh, at least seven other Bidens who have taken money from China or some form of a gift. So it's a, it's a family business. And what is the family business selling? They're selling access to Joe. And if they're selling policy, that's bribery. So... Seamus, let me ask you this. In your research, in looking through the transcripts of the testimony from the whistleblowers, that which has been made public, is there evidence that shows that President Biden actually got some of the money that came to Hunter Biden and his multiple corporations? In, in roundabout ways, yes, we have found that Hunter Biden acted as a pass-through. Uh, we, we tore the Hunter Biden laptop apart starting in late 2020 and all the way through today. I mean, it's just the gift uh, that keeps on giving. It's not really a gift. It's pretty tragic. But uh, we have found that Hunter Biden was paying his father's bills while his father was not just vice president, though that is a gift. That is an undisclosed gift as vice president. And going back to Joe's days in the Senate— that's an undisclosed gift. You can't be paying your father's bills and not, and Joe not disclosing that. So one of the bills that we found was an AT&T bill. Um, it was about uh, $200, $250 a month, the cell phone bill. Uh, and and this is an undisclosed line. So it's, it's kind of a twofold scandal. One, you have the undisclosed gift. And Hunter, in one of the text messages on the laptop, says, I've been paying my father's cell phone bill for 11 years. And this is also, by the way, not Joe's primary cell phone. He's got his main cell phone, but then he's also got this sort of secret cell phone paid for by Hunter, not actually just paid for by Hunter, paid for by Hunter's business, Rosemont Seneca, which is the business that took a lot of the Chinese and Ukrainian money. So you've got the vice president getting, we, we totaled it up for 11 years, 250 bucks a month. It's over $25,000. That's just one of the bills. Then you've got uh, home repairs, landscaping, paying for you know one of Joe's mansions, which that's another big question that we need to get to the bottom of. How does a public servant afford multiple mansions? One in Wilmington, he's got the Rehoboth Beach, uh, beach House. Um, they had another beach house, the Biden family down in the Keys. So what this all amounts to is Joe Biden has been living the lifestyle of a multi-multi-millionaire, if not billionaire, chauffeurs, chefs, and getting his bills paid for by his son, Hunter. Where did the money come from? foreign nationals. So, I mean, the scandal could not be any bigger. Now, in uh, part of the redacted transcript from uh, Gary Shapley in his testimony before the House Ways and Means Committee, one of Hunter Biden's business emails says that 10, this is quoting from it, quote, 10 held by H for the big guy. Now, we know that the big guy, uh, now we now know that that there's the president is this 10% being held for, is this what this is indicating, that 10% of the money was being held for the big guy? Yeah, that, that's absolutely right, Tony. And it actually comes from one of the whistleblowers, Tony Bobolinsky, who came forward, turned over all of his text messages. He was a Biden business partner. So, I mean, you, you've got all these messages from Hunter to, to Tony Bobolinsky um, discussing business arrangements, talking about how much money they can make off of this Chinese energy company called CEFC. Um, that's tied to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. And uh, the 10 held by H for the big guy, Tony Bobolinsky, has testified both to Congress and to the FBI, who covered up his testimony, by the way. But uh, Mr. Bobolinsky says that Joe Biden is the big guy. And when he first came forward, every you know the mainstream media smeared Tony Bobolinsky, even though it's clear, undisputable, 
that he was in business with the Bidens. But then another guy came forward. His name's Rob Walker, and he testified that the big guy is Joe Biden. And Rob Walker, this Biden associate business partner, also testified that Joe Biden would show up at a meeting with the CEFC executives. And these are the, the CEFC executives are the guys tied to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. So when Joe Biden said for years, and he still even says it kind of to this day, I never talked with business with my son, Hunter, never met with his business associates. It's a flat out lie. All right. So I, I want to we've got just a couple minutes left. Um, Peter Schweitzer and, and you at the Government Accountability Institute. I mean, you guys have been tracking China for for decades and looking at the connections politically. And, and I've, I've read a lot of your stuff and, and I appreciate what you've written. And, and of course, the Bidens are not the only uh, political uh, figures that are tied to China. The difference is most of them have retired and gone to work for China. These, uh, you know, Joe Biden's in office and, and getting this connection, these, these dollars from China. Do you believe that Joe Biden has been compromised by the Chinese Communist Party? 100 percent, without a doubt. It's it's I mean, when they talk, just look at how they treated Donald Trump with this uh, so-called PP dossier. They said the the allegation going back to the 2016 election was that Donald Trump was engaged in some sort of untoward thing with Russian prostitutes in a hotel room. That turned out to be totally false. But the implication of that was, well, Vladimir Putin is holding on to these tapes and therefore Donald Trump will act as his puppet. It will be Putin's puppet because Donald Trump will not want these tapes to come out. Again, that was a false story. But think about this. With Joe Biden, his entire family, siblings, son, uh, taking money from Chinese spies or spy-linked individuals. I mean, like I said, the vice minister of state security is in bed with the people paying Hunter Biden. It's like the Chinese CIA. And when they're sending millions of dollars and a diamond and uh, forgivable loans, I mean— credit cards. They would give credit cards to uh, Hunter Biden and Jim Biden that they could just use these credit cards loaded with a hundred thousand preloaded with a hundred thousand dollars. Just all of those facts alone, when the, when China has these kind of details, um, Chinese Communist Party intelligence operatives have these very true, very real details confirmed by multiple whistleblowers and agencies. That is a form of leverage over the president of the United States that cannot be ignored. I mean, just think about how a conversation with President Xi Jinping could go with Joe Biden. Would you like us to release the wire transfer showing that there's actually even more money that your son took from our operatives? That is a de facto compromise over the president of the United States. I mean, could that be why we saw the spy balloon be allowed to float all the way across the United States before any actions were taken? Joe Biden's weakness towards China, who is the number one adversary of the United States, it's not a competitor. They say, you know, they says, what, is China going to eat our lunch? Come on, man. It's not a competitor. China is the greatest adversary, read, enemy of the United States. They are sending fentanyl through our southern border, killing tens of thousands of Americans every single year. That goes to the highest levels of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, They are waging war on us through apps like TikTok. And when you have a president who is compromised by China, it's probably the gravest national security risk our country's ever faced, at least in modern history. Amazing. Seamus, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, Great information. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tony. All right, folks, out of time for today. But I leave you with this, the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, who says, when you've done all that you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, Keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.